Hello everyone, this is Donovan LaCroxy. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Hip Hop, Let's Talk R&B, Let's Talk What's Going On in the Community, and etc. And debuting with me, I've got rapper Big Fresco. What's up, brother? Not much, man. What's going on? How y'all doing, people? Um, it's Big Fresco in the house. Coming straight out of Toronto. Um, glad to be on the show here with Donovan. We're going to chop up some good things. I know. We're going to talk. Eh? I wanted you on the show, and you said you, you've you listened to the show before, eh? and you said you loved it, and you said, let me come on. I said, brother, I have to have you on. And how do you feel now? I feel great, honestly. Like, you know, it's, it's uh, your vibe is always really good. You're always a really good person to talk to. You're super hyped. So um, I'm, I'm, I was happy to be brought on the show. Uh, I did actually check out your last episode, and it was really dope. It was really interesting. You had a really con good conversation with that artist. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, definitely love to hop on. Which one did you listen to, by the way? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Was it Young Jizzle or Young... Um, uh, Which one? I'm trying to think of his name. Um, did, it start, what, what, did his name start with a Y? You had an artist on there. Oh, I think it was Killer King Furious, maybe, or no? No, it wasn't him. I actually know him. He's from Hamilton, right? Ah, yes, 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 yes. He's from, from <laughs> Hamilton. But that's okay. That's okay. Listeners, the important thing is he listens to the show and he loves it. He's on here. And, you know, he knows he knows this show. So why don't we get you to introduce yourself of how you got into music? Sorry, why don't you, how did, how did you get into music for our listeners in case they want to know? Yeah, 100%. Um, so like I said, um, I'm born and raised in Toronto. Been here my whole life. Uh, got into hip-hop at an early age. Um, my mom kind of kept, kept the culture around the house, playing hip-hop music. Um, my first time that I actually really wanted to rap, though, I remember, was when I actually heard the Notorious B.I.G. album, and specifically his song, Juicy. Um, so after I heard that song, after I heard that record, I really was just motivated in different ways that I never felt before. I was probably like 13 at the time, to be honest. Um, and I just took a pen and a pad and I started writing away. At that time, of course, it was just me kind of just doing what I wanted to do because I was bored. Um, later on, as I got into high school, I met up with some friends who had some recording equipment. Um, from there, started recording with them, getting a feel of just being on the mic and things like that. And they were kind of looking at me like I, I did actually have some talent. So that was encouraging. And I remember one day specifically, my friend came over with his microphone. I didn't have one at the time. And we we're just doing some stuff. And as he was leaving, probably made music for about three or four hours. As he was leaving, he goes, hey, listen, why don't you just borrow the mic? And I'm just like, you know what? Nah, I don't even want it. Like, you know, you just hold it down. You know how to use it better than me. This and that. I'm kind of downplaying myself, right? And he goes, like, nah, nah, man. Just, just take the mic. Just take it. Please, just, just take it. You know, take it for a weekend. What you can do with it. Um, and I took it at that point. I'm just like, you know what? All right, you're right. Let me just, you know, see what I can make out of this. Took the mic, plugged it in my computer. Um, and he, he had already showed me, like, how to put some vocals down on top of the beat, things like that. So I started doing it myself, and, like, the rest was, like, literally history. Mm. As, as far 
how I got into music. Yeah, yeah. Would you consider yourself the best rapper out of 10? 10 or 9, 8, 7, or 6? <laughs> I know you're asking me that question. I'm a 10. Oh, right? <laughs> I'm top three. I'm top three for sure. Don't worry. <laughs> but, but okay, you were influenced by Biggie. You were influenced. Do you want to throw some more influences? Were we more of the Jay-Z? Were we more of the Drake? Were we more of the, maybe you were more of the Pac? Or maybe you were more who Nas? Uh, yeah, those are all really good um, artists to bring up. Honestly, like, I, I really listen to all of those artists, uh, to be honest with you. I, I felt like as I was growing up, from that Biggie, Notorious B.I.G., Juicy start point, I kind of made my way. I started to listen to Jay-Z. Um, I started to listen to a little bit of Big L. I'm a huge Nas fan. I've actually seen him seven times in concert, I believe. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I'm a huge, huge Nas fan. Um, it was written was probably definitely one of my top five albums ever. Um, so a lot, a lot of influences from him poetically, just the things he was talking about and the way he was talking about it really opened my eyes to like some of the things I was going, I, I was experiencing in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just kind of helped me mold myself into the artist that I am today for mm-hmm. sure. You know, when we were talking the other day, when we did the radio interview, right? Remember I asked you the question, do you think Drake is better than G- Jay-Z? Because DJ Funk Master Flex said that. Yeah, What were yeah. your thoughts to the podcast now? Um, what do you call it? On his thoughts. I mean, you and I talked about it. Is it fair to say now to give Drake that title of best rapper of all time now? Or, no, still give it to Jay-Z. Yeah, I still have to give it to Jay because, um, like, and I don't want to seem like, like, I'm from Toronto, right? So having Drake in hip-hop culture and rap culture is, like, one of the greatest things to happen to Toronto. And I want to say that first and foremost. But um, in terms of legacy, um, in terms of just automatic skill of just rapping, I feel like, Jay-Z would automatically uh, definitely take take Drake in, in that aspect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and mind you, Jay-Z has a lot of legendary freestyles with even the guys that I mentioned, Big L. Mm-hmm. He was rapping with, with Notorious B.I.G. and all of those guys, right? right? So um, if we're going to consider those the legends of hip-hop, like Jay-Z is like the last of them, or Jay-Z and Nas would be the last of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you say to listeners that say, no, I do think Drake is better than Jay-Z. Because remember what Funkmaster Flex said, but then you kind of back, not, you kind of told me when we did the radio station interview, right? You told me oh. he kind of contradicted himself. Okay, because Drake is yeah. very versatile, right? But do, don't exactly. you think Jay-Z can be versatile? He worked with Linkin Park back in the early 2000s on the well, there Encore remix. There you go, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, no, like I said, he kind of uh, contradicted himself because he he pointed out that Drake did use a lot of reference tracks, right? Um, and even on the freestyle that he had there, he said it was supposedly written and they had rehearsed it. So it's just like you're kind of downplaying certain aspects of his artistry at the same time trying to trying to convince people that he's better than a hip-hop legend. It just didn't really sit well with me. Um even if he even if he said Drake's 
a better artist and he didn't say anything after that, I felt like it would have got people thinking more, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Would it be fair to say today in 2021 that Drake is the best rapper of all time? Now, since Jay-Z's not as consistent in making music the way he used to be, and remember, Jay-Z is getting older too, so we might want to pass it now to the young, you know, the young ones in hip-hop. Mm -hmm. Would it be mm -hmm. fair to say Drake is the best rapper of all time? No, I, I I don't I don't think that would be fair to say. Mm -hmm. I feel like he is definitely one of the greatest artists of all time. Mm -hmm. But um, in terms of rap, like even in terms of numbers, if if you want to look at it, look at look at what Future's doing or like Lil Baby, some of those guys. Um, and Future and Drake actually have a lot of music together, mm -hmm. right? And, and 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 sometimes it's debatable about who's the better part. Uh, I, I, at least I hear people talking, like not my personal opinion, right? Right. Um, so I do think there's other artists that you would have to consider, but but there's there's not not more than you can count than what's on your hands kind of thing, you mm -hmm. know? So I, I, I still give that to Drake. He's mm -hmm. top, top five probably right now and all time. For sure, you can okay. you can put them put them up there. But if listeners ask you, okay, you say there's better than Drake because okay, you might have talked about it earlier. We did your top five when when you were on the radio station. Remember, I said you got yeah. okay. So I think I remember this. We got our Biggie number one. We got our Pac number two. We got our Nas number three. We got our Jay Z number four, and maybe number five. We got Big L. Right, right, right. Am I right? Yep. The exact you, got, you got it spot on. You got it oh. spot on, bro. Oh, 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 oh. You got it spot on. This okay, guy. so would Drake be number six or seven in case listeners <laughs> want to know? <laughs> six or seven, okay. Um, I, I just I just want to make sure I'm not forgetting anybody. Well, did we, did we say Eminem too? Oh, would Eminem be number six? Yeah, Eminem would definitely take number six, and then Drake or Lil Wayne is seven or eight. But you know what? Is that fair? But you know what? Listeners might say, listeners say, why don't you move Lil Wayne to number seven and Drake to number eight? Because you know that's a battle. If you say Drake is better than Lil Wayne, you know a lot of listeners <laughs> might clap back and say, "Are you there?" <laughs> I know, I know. I'm going to get some stick on this podcast. Eh? <laughs> no, no, no. Our podcast is good. Our listeners are good. They're understanding. I mean, yeah, everybody yeah, has a yeah. different opinion, right? Not everybody. And maybe sure. there are some people that just don't like Drake. I find that hard to believe because, and by the way, speaking of Drake, he had, I think, mm -hmm. 50 billion streams on Spotify. He set the highest record, oh, yeah. I believe, for streams on Spotify. Would you, yeah. as an artist, like to reach? Do you think, okay, let's talk even deeper. And then we'll talk about, you know, your projects. And I knew you had an announcement to make about one of them, right? So let's talk yeah. even deeper. Is it right to set a goal if you're an upcoming artist to say, you know what? I want to pass Drake. I want to pass Michael Jackson. I want to pass Chris Brown's record. Is that fair for artists to say? Um, oh. 
that's like it's 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 really hard and i i don't like i think it's fair for anybody to to have those type of ambitions 100% i i feel like you should always uh put yourself in a position to be the best person and or artist athlete whatever it may be right but um i i i do I, I feel like it's fair. I feel like it's fair. If, if that's what you're asking, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think an just, artist just, can just, get... just based off just based <laughs> off what 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 an artist has to carry within their confidence? But mm-hmm. is it realistic, in my opinion? Um, not really. No. <laughs> so it's kind of like a catch twenty two. So you're saying you can set it, but it's kind of like okay. So if, let's say there's an artist right now. I'm gonna give myself the name. And listeners know I don't want to be a rapper, no. But let's say little Donovan, big ass Donovan. Hey, there you go. <laughs> big ass Donovan. We'll call it 35 years old almost. I can't do that career. Okay. But let's say if I set the goal to say, you know what? One year from now, I want to have more Spotify streams than Drake. I want to reach even further than Drake. I want to kick Drake out of the number one spot always. Am I allowed to say that? Or as a new artist, no. I should just be careful. Because then you get maybe clapbacks. This is how some hip-hop beefs start, you know. When people run their mouths off. I'm not saying, and listeners don't. I'm not trying to throw out beef there. But if I run my mouth off, say, yeah, I want to surpass Drake. I want to kick him down. And then Drake finds out about it. He might clap back and say, yo, who's this, this big-ass Donovan trying to come up to me? Exactly, exactly, right? And yeah, no, for sure. I've, I've, I've seen, sorry, artists get blacklisted uh, just because of that reason, right? Trying to make themselves bigger than what they actually are. Mm-hmm. From from the beginning, it can it can bring a lot of shape. So I completely understand where you're coming from that perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah. you you're right. A black ball is okay. Do you think okay? Do you think you're right? That could probably get me about blackballed though, right? Blackballed, yeah, yeah. Shoot. But what is okay? What is the definition of blackballed as an artist? Because we always hear about this one being blackballed, that one being blackballed. For example, okay, and this is let's talk hip hop, let's talk R and B. They say Carrie mm-hmm. Hilson was blackballed. Who was that? Sorry. They say Carrie Hilson was R and B artist. Carrie Hilson okay. was blackballed because you know she went after Beyonce, went after Sierra. You remember yeah. back in the two thousands, you know, days where she would clap back and then you know. So what? Is yeah, that? yeah, for sure. She was very, she was very loud and proud. <laughs> <laughs> and then look yeah. at her today. She can't even release music today. And she only knew, only had two albums. And then every time they try, they would just blackball her. But let me get your definition of what does blackball mean as an artist? Um, I think for me, blackball basically means that um, for whatever reason, uh, you may have rubbed people the wrong way. And when you love certain people the wrong way, the thing is, people know people, right? So, say if it was, I don't know, just to just to give an example, like an up-and-coming artist that wanted to diss Young Thug, right? But mm-hmm. they're, in, they're in Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? And they diss Young Thug, and 
Young Thug works with a lot of artists. He's very well known in Atlanta, right? He, Young Thug could probably, if he actually has a problem with you and you're an up-and-coming artist trying to get on the radio, he could probably call one of the radio stations and be like, hey, listen, I have a problem with this guy. Don't play him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it just kind of um, extends from you rubbing someone the wrong way to you now being limited in business opportunities and what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the industry can be very clicky like that, where I know this person and we stick together, and you know what I mean? Um, if, if you're doing something to try to deface the person I'm working with, I'm not going to work with you either, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's my interpretation of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we know artists that have been blackballed. I used Carrie, Carrie Hilson in R&B, for example. I mean, in hip-hop, I mean, we could go way back. I mean, Chingy was blackballed. Oh, yes, Chingy they, was blackballed. There you go, right? <laughs> I like it when you do it like that. <laughs> right, right there. That was, that, was, that was like one of the biggest songs at that time, right? Yes, and then, okay, his one with Tyrese. Every time I leave there, something keeps pulling me back, me back, me back. Yes, yes, and then today yes, yes. you're wondering what happened to Chingy. Blackballed. Who else? Um, well, okay. Oh, Some people what? might ask Big Fresco. Some people might ask, well, okay. Well, what's the difference between that and a one-hit Wanda then? Because aren't they one-hit Wandas? True, true, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but didn't he get into an issue with Ludacris, was it? Yes, yes, yes. I think yeah. so. I think so, yeah. Chingy. Chingy had a lot of, okay. And then he wasn't being managed right and label issues too. And then mm-hmm. Chingy tried to come back, I think, with a single with Amory. That's another one that got blackballed in R&B, too. There you go, Anne-Marie. What happened to her? She I had... Um... And I was watching something, I believe, in, uh, with Anne-Marie, I believe. And, but a lot of artists tried to steal her style. The girl can write, though. Listeners, this is Let's Talk Hip-Hop, Let's Talk R&B. Anne-Marie can write, though. But, I mean, I didn't like all of her songs, but... If people ask you, Big Fresco, well, what about, what's the difference with a one-hit wonder then? Because aren't they one-hit wonders if they get blackballed, or not necessarily? Um, I, I feel like you, you touched on something that was, that was very correct with, like, um, if your management situation isn't correct, a one-hit wonder, you might, a, a one-hit, an artist that has a one-hit wonder actually might have a lot more songs, but... If, if they're not managed correctly at that point in their career, it can it can lead to serious artist burnout, mm-hmm. and that, that that happens a lot where artists get very hot quickly and they just crash and burn like like no tomorrow, right? Um, so yeah, that's that's something that um, a couple of actually I read a couple of, of music industry books and and it talked about that the difference of the long grind versus the quick success and the overnight success, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's very hard hard for an artist to, to maintain. And I guess in terms of the difference between one hit wonders and being blackballed, um, like I said, when when you, you rub people the wrong way and you aren't able to work with people on certain levels, 
your music won't be played in certain places, right? Um, you'll be constantly denied or for whatever your reputation is bringing to the table, um, people just, just won't want anything to do with it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm glad you brought up a point, too, because, okay, for example, if you blow too quick as an artist, too, and then you rub people the wrong way, too, I mean, and I'm not saying, for example... Bow Wow. Well, Bow Wow didn't rub people. Bow Wow was managed very bad. But I think mm-hmm. I'm mistaken. You and I have talked about Bow Wow. Bow Wow, what were you doing, by the way, in Atlanta the other day, having a party with no one wearing masks and social distancing, by the way? I read that the other day. We were talking about him on Saturday. And yeah. I, read, I read something about him on, what do you call it, having a big party and nobody was social distancing. But my point uh-huh. is... Yeah, but <laughs> well, my point is, Bow Wow blew too quick. He, you know, everybody loved their little Bow Wow. Oh, little Bow Wow, you just don't know the way you move so today. <laughs> now he's a grown ass man, a thirty three year old grown ass man with a career that's just done. And you know, firing that mommy as the manager was the biggest mistake of Bow Wow's career. Firing the mommy as the manager. But you and I have talked about that. So if you rub the people the wrong way, and let's say you rub people the wrong way, right? Can you mm-hmm. still... He did. He really did. <laughs> but you have hits, right? Can you still be blackballed if you have a lot of hits? And you, you know, and you rub people the wrong way, can you still kind of, you know, get blackballed? Well, I think with him, his hits were like where where when he was a kid mainly, right? Mm-hmm. Most of his hits came before he was like the age of sixteen. So uh I, I felt like he, 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 he did have an opportunity to continue his career but the transition from him being him being a kid entertainer to being an adult rapper, mm-hmm. um, a lot a lot of people just weren't taking him serious. You know what I mean? Because I, I was even a Bow Wow fan at one point. I remember downloading his albums when I was 10 years old or 12 years old, whatever have you, right? Mm-hmm. And even even getting into his older years, um, I, I remember he was still trying to put out music and I was still trying to support him, but the level of music that was coming out at that point just wasn't good enough. And maybe the manager thing had something to do with it. Maybe he didn't have the right writers around him anymore, the right production or... Mm-hmm. The right, the right people to um, to really work on his image. I know he really wanted to be independent as well, yeah. and that was that's, that's was something he was kind of working on. Yeah. And I, I just feel like he just didn't get his point across at the time that he needed to to really stay relevant, you know. Mm-hmm. And the big fallout with Jermaine Dupree too. I don't even know if they worked out that beef, you know, the big fallout. It was big to yeah. the point where it came on Love and Hip Hop, but see, the sad thing is people only know Bow Wow now for being on Love and Hip Hop. Thank God mm-hmm. you were not exposed to a lot of music growing up. Like, for me, Bow Wow's almost my age. He's just a year behind me, but let's say if you're 22, 21, 20, you're going to be like, Lil Who? I don't know him. All I know him is from love and hip-hop. So sometimes it can be a curse where you blow too quick and you just can't handle it. That's what happened to Bow Wow. 
That's what happened to Ashanti. Ashanti just blew too quick to the point where the whole murdering thing just wrecked her reputation. And it just, you know, yeah. I don't know. Do you think the industry can be for everyone? What do you say as an artist where they get scared sometimes? Can I even do this? No, 100%. And um, touching on Ashanti, actually, I got a chance to see her in concert last year. Yeah. How was that? Uh, with Ja Rule. And she was, she was still killing it, to be honest with you. She was, she was still doing her thing. All her, all her hits still touch you and feel the same way when you first heard them kind of thing. So um, it, it was interesting to see her live for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I definitely hear what you're saying. With, mm-hmm. During that time, like she could have been, she could have been Beyonce, right? Well, I, she could she she could have been or almost in that position or kind of like on that level where her her career kind of like deflated at a certain point, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, you you talk about that, okay? Let me take listeners back. Two thousand three, Ashanti actually. Well, Beyonce was starting to go the solo road, the solo road, the independent road, uh, being uh-huh. just no destiny's child. Actually, her first album, Beyonce's first album, and then a chapter two, Ashanti. Ashanti's album actually knocked Beyonce's album at the top spot. Ashanti was big back then, Rain On Me, Rock With You On Baby. Those were like, you know, the, but that was the days Ashanti was big. Now a, an Ashanti comeback. But that's why a lot of artists are doing the versus battle. And by the way, I got Keisha, not Ashanti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that who she, who she, is she going up against, um... Yeah. Was it Keisha Cole? Yes, yes. They had delayed that, listeners. They had delayed that. It actually was supposed to be December, but Ashanti got COVID-19, and then they didn't want to put any of the stuff at risk. So, I mean, for you, Wasner, do you ever get concerned if you blow too quick, you could lose it all too quick, or you blow and then you get blackballed? Are you concerned about all these things rising up as an artist? Yes, 100%. Um, I think more so now than before, um, just because, like, now that I'm getting a little bit deeper in the industry, I'm starting to work with a lot more people, right? And a lot of these people that you meet in the industry, you might only have a few conversations with them. You might only meet them once for lunch or a drink or whatever the case may be. So um, it's really hard to, to gauge everybody and make sure that you're working with the right people without kind of rubbing people the wrong way, like I was saying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like even with some of the DJs, uh, for instance, right? That Those are some of the people that, like yourself, even radio hosts, these are some of the people that you want to keep a, a really good relationship with mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the times radio hosts or DJs, those are the ones, those are the people that are watching for your music, right? Um, so it is something that I, I'm, I'm very careful with, you know what I mean? And I just like to just kind of show my authenticity to people so I don't get blackballed. Um, and yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's talk about your music now in case listeners want to know about the style. Are we more? Let's see. 
Are we more ripping down the place, burning down the place with hot bars to the point that makes our ears bleed? Are we more melodic? Are we more soft rock? Are we more, yo, Donovan, I'll meet you in the parking lot and I swear I will break your jaw open. You will never want to talk to me again. You will be running from me. Meet me. Meet me in the street. Meet me. Come, come, come. I'll rock on it. Right, come outside, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the style like in case? Because, okay, no, and even if you are aggressive as a rapper, there can still be a message with it. I mean, listen, sure. listeners, I mean, rap doesn't always, I think a lot of people have this image that rap music has to be so positive all the time, where, you know, yes. I love you, you love me, like a Barney song. Why is it people have that image where rap is supposed to always be positive? I know that that's very true, um, and yeah, like I, I I hear different things from different people sometimes. Um, even some of my family members asking if I can make certain positive tracks or certain like life changing songs, and which I which I like to do. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I like to keep it within the realms of reality as well, um, so people can hear my story, right? Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of my style, I'm very melodic. Uh, I use a lot of different ranges in my voice. Sometimes I might be rapping. Sometimes I might be more singing. Um, my content is, like I kind of said, I, I like to tell stories kind of like about my life, about my situations and what's going on. Um, I like to sometimes get uncomfortable, too, and try different sounds, try different types of beats to go on um, where I can kind of few different types of music so say like almost like pop and reggae together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so so yeah my, my latest single actually is called energy and that i would more consider like a pop kind of reggae song it's very melodic it has a lot of good vibes into it you know um with my upcoming project i did kind of try to keep the sound as cohesive as possible so when you guys do end up hearing that um it'll be pretty much uh how i'm explaining it like kind of just one sound um meshed into different songs stories lyrics and bars um yeah i, I i'd say melodic content is, is my main strength mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now what do you say when your fans only wanted one style what would you say to that for example future when they were used to future being a certain style and then when future tried to break away from working with drake and stick into something different they didn't like it and then future uh -huh. said, okay you know what I'll come up with it. He called Drake, saying, yo, Drake, we need another single together. The fans aren't liking me the way I used to. And then Life is Good just blew through the roof. That just blew. So what do you say to that? Do would if your fans say, we only want it one way? I know it's, um, it is very hard to cater to, to everybody. Um, what I have been doing more recently is just watching the things that I post and watching the engagement and the reaction to what I'm posting to kind of gauge where my audience likes my music kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I feel like that's that's been the most, the best way to indicate to me what songs I should drop because like I said, I like using different music. I like 
doing different things, maybe taking a song and almost like singing on it the whole time, right? But with what I have put out and the songs that I've already kind of made successful, um, yeah, I kind of have to strategize and, and really be tactful as to how I introduce new sounds to my fans without them saying that, oh, how come it doesn't sound like this, right? Um, and it's, it's something hard to get around, to be honest, but uh, the best thing always is to go with your gut, and this is for any artist out there too, always you know, go with your gut, go with um, songs that make you feel happy, and the songs that you're able to listen to a million times over without, like, you know, uh, wanting to change it to something different. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I, I navigate the feeling of what I should put out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what if an- another artist listening right now asks, I try to use my gut, but they're just not satisfied. Then what do you do as an artist? If you went with your gut and you feel like uh, the results that came back weren't promising, um, I, I definitely start with finding the people that did like the talk, right? So work with those people. Um, and that's been huge right now, especially during the pandemic, because we can't go out and do shows. We can't go out and interact with fans right now. We have to keep socially distant. So um making sure that you show love to the fans that are truly truly into your music um giving them good good responses replying to them making them feel a part of your journey i feel like is the best way to start um if you didn't get the desired result right because mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. then at, at least you do have a start and you build sort of a, a few core people that did like the song okay you know what i'm going to take these people that like the song, I'm going to add certain elements from that song and maybe try to hype it up for my newer song so I gain a different audience as well, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, for... Okay, you're a guy that mostly likes to work with EPs, albums, mixtapes, or do you like to hold on to your music saying, no, I'll release it when my gut tells me to? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, um, I, I probably hold on to more music than I should, but yeah, it's all about my, my gut and when I feel like it's right. Um, I, I have released already one EP and one mixtape within the last two years, um, and they've both been pretty successful, to be honest. I, I really like the results with, with what I've got, the feedback and everything. Um, so yeah, I feel like perfecting my sound and what I want to put out. Also, whenever you put out a song, mind you, um, or an EP, mixtape, there's a lot of promotion that's going to come with it. There's a lot of energy that you have to put into it. There's a lot of time that you have to reserve for it. So, you know, making sure you're in the right space of life and the right headspace to to go ahead and, and consistently drop music or drop music when it's time is very important to me, at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when it's the correct <clears throat> time, you got to go with your gut. And, you know, like you said, if you don't feel, if it doesn't feel right, don't drop it. And just trust your intuition. Even as a human being, you should trust your intuition, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, yeah, 
make sure you're prepared for the release too. Um, the preparation is, is very key because uh, one of my, my main models is very simple, obviously. You know it, preparation is half the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like being an artist, preparing yourself for everything that you're going to have to uh, encounter when you release music, mm-hmm. uh, rather than kind of releasing it in the swing and I wake up today and, oh my God, I'm, I'm feeling excited. I just got paid. Let me drop this off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you could you could go that route, but you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. should you release? Okay. Is there anything that you haven't talked about yet that you'd like to talk about? And should you release it just because you want to release it, or the fans want it? As an artist, you fight with that because there's some artists. I don't care what the fans want. I like what I like, and then there's some they care too too much to the point where it really gets to them, and that's what it happened to Bryson Tiller. Why? And then he just kept prolonging, prolonging, getting crap figured out, and then after he got the crap figured out, and there was excitement at first for the project. Now the excitement has died down. What are your thoughts? Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah, I do think if, if you're all, you are on a holdout period, um, you definitely have to be coming very strong with your release. Like, if you stop making music for two years or stop dropping music for like a year and a half or two years, your next release has to, um, yeah, pretty much do better than what everybody else is putting out at that point, right? And I, I, I know what you're talking about with the Bryson Tiller because even me, as a fan of his, I was waiting for some of his music too. And when he came out, it just seemed like he was just crawling back in. It didn't seem like, you know, he wanted to give his fans that bang that he kind of gave us from the first time around, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I feel like it has to do with leveling up. And even with my fans, like, I would never want to put something out that looks like something that I could have done two or three years ago, right? If I'm putting something out now and I've made you guys wait, I want it to be better than anything I've had before and better than anything that you're seeing in today's music. So if you're doing that strategy, I feel like it's really competitive. And, um, yeah, you have to you have to absolutely just own what you're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you got to be consistent, like you said, and not, I mean, artists might clap back and say, listen, I have a life too, you know, I can't constantly release music because then it feels like I'm in it for the money. What do you say to that? Um, yeah, I guess there, there are some artists that, you know, might just want to spend more time with their family or do different things, um. Uh, I don't know if you, well, I'm pretty sure you know the Playboy Cardi situation, which is kind of similar to what we're talking about as well. Yeah. Um, where he, he kind of just made his fans wait for a long time, and now he drops his project, and it's like, you know, kind of mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, I feel like if you have the fan base, um, everybody's different. Everybody has their own personality as... To, to how they're going to do things. But for me as an artist, if I have the fan base that, that's ready to receive music, especially on a broad scale like that, um, I think I, I would work as much as possible to, to give them that. And and 
thing is, look where it can possibly get you. Like we were talking about earlier with Drake, right? Early on in his career, he was relentless with his work ethic. You know what I mean? I think Drake made a record with absolutely every every rapper, like in the, in the first year of his uh, him coming out, right? And, and the consistency throughout the years, just dropping music, dropping music, dropping music. Um, it, it, it just eventually brings you to a level that, you know, it's, it's hard for anybody to take things away from you. So, but like I said, some people's personality might not be able to handle that type of pressure or that type of lifestyle all the time. And that that's probably why they're like that. Mm-hmm. And it depends, like you said, the team you have behind you, right? Some people don't have good teams. Some people just, you're a... I wouldn't want to say a gimmick. I think we've grown out of the word gimmick, but you're just like a toy. And I don't mean this in a negative way, people, especially artists or people, where they want to profit off of you, and then after that, I'm done with you. I got what you. I got what I want out of you. Well, I think again, it would be important as you as an artist to have a really good team. You know what I'm saying? No, hundred percent. Having a good team is um is is huge, and 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 I'm sure that a lot of artists go through different working with different people, and your team might not always be exactly the same for every project. But if you if you know um, things that need to be done, and the people type of environment, people that you need to keep around you to make things successful, it's it's gonna make it all the better. Mm-hmm. It's gonna make it all the better now. You wanted to share something with us. Who did you have featured from G Unit in case our listeners want to know? Yeah, so um, it's very exciting actually. But uh, during this past summer, uh, Tony Yeo from G Unit actually reached out to me. Um, he heard one of my songs that I had put out during the summertime. I think it was a freestyle um, that I had put out. It's called Time Is Now Freestyle. You guys could check that out. Um, and he really liked the bars and the energy that I was coming with, he told me. And um, at first, he, he, he wanted to get me on a mixtape of some sort that he was collaborating with. Uh, I was lucky, lucky enough to talk with him further and kind of just discuss a little bit more. And I, sh- I was able to show him some of my music that I was working on. Once I showed him one of my best songs that I had at that time, he, um, yeah, he really enjoyed it, and he said, hey, you know what, man, I'm, I'm going to, I'd love to come as a hype man on the track, and that's exactly what he did, so we're going to be releasing that on the new project, so that's, that's super, super exciting to work with a hip-hop legend, especially one coming from G-Unit, the 50 Cent's camp, and just tying that bridge from New York to Toronto, Canada to USA is just amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, and we're going to have a lot of Canada and USA connections. Do you think Drake was the one that opened the door for a lot of Canada and U.S. artists working together and breaking those boundaries? Because you know before, you couldn't even say you were a Canadian hip-hop artist. It was like people were ashamed they were from here. What are your thoughts to that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'd say the first person that comes to my mind would be Cardinal Official. Yep, yep. Uh, I remember he did that one track with uh, Akon. I yep. think it was called Dangerous. Yep, 2008. Um, yeah, there you go. So 
Um, yeah, the big, big shout out to Cardinal Official. He's been holding down the city for a very, very long time. And as far as um, on a more mass media, uh, for sure, Drake even spread the door even wider, right? Um, but not only Drake, I, w- I would give it to some of the producers that Drake was working with at the time as well. Also, um, gave Canada a lot of doors towards the United States. So, Boy Wanda, 40, Seven Thomas, um, Wonder Girl, just to name a few. Um, I feel like at the time that Drake was opening the doors, they started to hear his music. They started to hear the Canadian producers that were, um, that he was using, and they started to use them too. So, um, Drake and his whole team and everything that came with it for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I always hear a lot about this boy Wanda. I always hear a lot about this boy Wanda. Boy Wanda, if you're listening or anyone in this on uh, his team listening, you if you want to come on the show, you're allowed. I always hear a lot about you and I'd find you interesting. Like I would just like to get to know this boy Wanda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. Well, first, he has some dope beats, and um, from what I know from him, he, he definitely seems very into the culture as well. So, hey, man, maybe you can uh, hit him up on IG or something and, and get it going. Well, I don't know. It's very hard. You know these people don't check their... You know these people have thousands of DMs, right? So they don't check them. Or if they do, you're kind of like move to general. A lot of them move me to general, so... <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're, you're, you're big dog. Come on, they, they know about you. Don't even worry about it. I wish. I wish. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a guy out here. Don't even worry. <laughs> well, you never know how far this show can go, right? It could grow. It can grow, it can grow, it can grow, it can take time, baby steps. Joe Rogan did his podcast in 2009, he started it, and seven years later it blew. There you go, right? So everything takes time, right? So as long as you continue to build it, you know what I mean? Like like I said earlier, I'm happy to be on it. I believe in the show itself, so um, I think that, yeah, you do have a lot of potential and a lot of room to grow especially this year. A lot of big things are going to happen. Oh, well, thank you for speaking that in my life. You know what? Um, something else I wanted to bring to your attention on your page, mister, and you follow me, I follow you. Now, what's up with Lupe Fiasco following you on Twitch? You want to talk about that? Yeah, that, that was actually a crazy experience. Um, <laughs> it was actually on a Clubhouse that, oh, I, that I got a chance to speak with him. Oh. So... I don't know how many listeners out there know about Clubhouse and this new app and its interactive features, but um, but yeah, it's it's, it's really great for connecting um, people like myself to industry executives, A and R's, actual industry artists, um, DJs, radio stations. There's even like just people out there with that are millionaires and have financial advice. There's all sorts of people. Anyhow. So um, the way that ended up happening was I seen that Lupe Fiasco had opened up a room. And on Clubhouse, for those who don't know, it's basically like voice chat rooms where you can go in and you can listen to people speaking. um, And sometimes there's even opportunities for you to join in and speak depending on the room you're in. So this room that he had opened up, he was talking about, um, the topic was about 
this microorganism that could possibly kill viruses. So kind of along this whole COVID narrative that we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. And I had joined the room and I was one of the first people in there and I had no idea what the actual topic was about, but it was Lupe Fiasco. So I was just in the room and I put my hand up to speak and he let me in as a speaker. And as time kept going, like I, I noticed that he didn't really let anybody else up as a speaker. It was just me. Now, he was going to be talking about this specific topic, which I already touched on, um, and he was going to be doing it with a specific friend. However, that friend he was supposed to be doing with, doing it with um, didn't end up showing, and he kind of bailed on him, right? So as I was up there as a luckily substitute speaker in the time being, um, I got to just kind of kick it with him and just ask him about himself and how he was doing and how he was during this time and things like that. So um, that was that was really cool. Um, his friend actually didn't show up at all and about half an hour had passed. And so during that whole half an hour span, we kind of just got to know each other a little bit. Um, nothing too crazy on the music side. I wanted to just more keep it personal and just build that relationship with him. And towards the end, I guess, you know, just due to my personality, he said, you know what, I'm going to follow so we can stay in contact sometimes. And yeah, mm-hmm. did he give that you, was pretty cool. Did he give you any advice, any tips or anything you asked him or no? Um, so, yeah, he actually, um, well, he didn't really give me any advice at the time. He did give me his well wishes because I did tell him that I was an artist from Toronto. Um, and what he mentioned to me when I had said that was, he doesn't really talk too much about music in his chat rooms, but he's glad that I mentioned it. And uh, he just basically wished me the best and told me to um, next the next for the next time that he's opening up a room to join so we can speak more. Um, so at this point, I'm basically hoping that you know we can connect again, and then at another time I can ask him a little more in depth insight and advice about music. But um, I think the fact that I got to speak with him just on any level was was really cool. Yeah, yeah, you seem to be making a way for yourself, brother. And I do, and I said this in a radio interview with you, I do see you get creeping your way up, creeping your way up, creeping your way up, and then you are just going to, it's going to come out of nowhere. You will not see it coming. You will just blow it. I, I, I love that energy, trust me. I, I feel the same way, and um, the fact that you see it in that way, too, is, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. What do you want to say to the fans that love you? They've been rocking on this journey with you. And what do you want to say to the fans that want more music, but they can't wait? <laughs> um, well, what I say to my fans that have been rocking with me for my journey, you already know what it is. Big Fresco, we on yeah. And yeah, we're going to continue this. Um, I love all of you guys. I appreciate and respect all the messages, all the DMs, all the reactions, all the likes, comments, reposts, reshares. Like sometimes I'd be posting stuff and I don't even be asking people to reshare comments or anything like that. And it's just going crazy. So um, I want you guys to know that that's something that keeps me going, keeps me motivated every time that I wake up and it gives me that thirst for life. Um, the fact that I know you guys rock with me so hard. As far as the upcoming music, um, it's coming. We got a lot coming in 2021. Um, 
definitely we're going to start the year off right with the project Don't Guess the Nest featuring Tony Yeo on the track Zach Levine. Um, so that's going to be an amazing, crazy, exciting start to the year. So get ready, guys. And um, there's going to be a lot more surprises coming after that. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's a man with surprises. He's a man that's going to keep us mysteriously guessing what's next what's next what's next any viral shows like online shows you would do like an instagram live performance you would do or you want to wait till everything opens back up to go back on the road because some artists are doing viral shows yeah no i am gonna be um setting up a virtual concert um, we are in the works of planning everything out. We already have our location. It's just about um, working out all the details. But um, you can expect to see that probably within the next two months, I'd say. Um, a full virtual concert where I'll be playing some of my older songs that you guys already know. And I'll be playing some of the new songs from the, uh, the project coming up. Now, quickly, I wanted to get your opinion on President Trump pardoning Lil Wayne. What are your thoughts on that before he leaves the White House? Oh, uh, is that like the last thing he did before? Uh... Yes, before he leaves on January 20th, 2021, he'll be leaving and people will be Trump-free. Hey, well, honestly, um, I will say, I guess throughout his, his tenure, he, he did somewhat help in pardoning certain people's um, sentences. Um, I'm not too sure how I feel about it because, mind you, there is still a lot of people in jail that, you know what I mean, probably didn't do nothing or innocence or maybe did very some, something very small and they don't get those opportunities. So um, I guess now that I think of it, I think it's a little unfair, but... Um, Hey, I guess it's good for a little weight, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Kodak Black, too, eh? And Kodak Black. And, and Kodak, oh, Kodak Black's out, too? Getting out, too? I think soon, yes. He was okay. working on Kodak Black and Lil Wayne okay. listeners. If I am wrong, I know Lil Wayne is pardoned, but I think Kodak Black, he's working on a lot uh, of these rappers, as you were saying. He is working on a lot of these rappers before he soon yeah. gets out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, if I do hear a Kodak Black album this year, um, I might, I might give him a little bit of credit. But <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> but do you think that'll make their careers bigger? Because with some rappers, you know, once they get out of jail, like Meek Mill, Kodak Black, if he does, and Lil Wayne, does that make their audience ship and you know the views and spikes? in their numbers and streams, does that make it go up, you think? I do think that that does have some effect. Mm -hmm. um, I can't say it's like out of the best thing in the world, but it does have that effect where, you know what I mean, especially if it's a good artist or if it's an artist that their fans feel really connected to, like Kodak Black, to be honest. I know a lot of people that... Um, are fans of his, and they feel really connected to him for some reason. Um, so, 
yeah, I think in, in those cases, it could help you out. Um, even look at Bobby Shmurda. He's, he's supposed to be coming out, I think. In the, in February. All right, there you go. So when he comes out and if he has some hot songs and he's, he's willing to still play a part in the music game, like, you know, it, it would probably help his career at that point and he's going he's gonna to be getting a lot of money. So. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And Bobby Schmurda, if he's around the right people, he could come back big because we haven't heard from him almost in seven years with a hot boy, that one hit. People were calling him a one hit Wanda, but with Bobby right. Schmurda, with all the charges, the guns, I don't want to get into that, but it's just like <laughs> a mess with Bobby Schmurda. I hope it works it out for them. But like you said, it's you think it's kind of unfair for people that really didn't do anything. But remember, these are rappers, and if they do have money, I guess Trump loves money, right? Business. That, that, I guess, yeah, you can, you can buy yourself certain, certain uh, luxuries of life. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just quickly on Bobby Schmurda, I, 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 I am excited to... Um, if, if he does come out and start making music, I, I really wonder what he would sound like on a pop smoke type beat or, you know, something that's more modern and up to date with New York music. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of, kind of excited to hear that. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if Bobby Shmurda decides to add pop smoke as a feature of, on his vocals? That would be hot and that would bring really big. If Bobby Shmurda featuring pop smoke, that would blow. Crazy. That would be absolutely insane. Everybody would go crazy, especially in New York, but mm -hmm. around the world too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, that would be insane. So um, I'm, I'm hoping I hear something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And you know what would be crazier? The remix featuring Drake and Meek Mill. What about that? <laughs> Jeez, now you're thinking. Now you're thinking. I know yeah, that. you. <laughs> you need you need to start doing some emails. Start emailing some people right now because <laughs> <laughs> that would be big though. Listeners would know that yeah. Bobby Schmurda featuring Pop Smoke. That would be hot. And then the remix we do Bobby Schmurda featuring Drake, Pop Smoke, and me. Holy. Yeah, twenty twenty one would be done. Okay. You take over. <laughs> take over. Do you want to yeah. throw out your platforms in case there are people that do want to reach you? You might have thrown them out before, but in case listeners missed it. Yeah, 100%. So um, once again, I go by Big Fresco. If you type that in even on Google or YouTube, you will um, see a lot of my work, a lot of my videos that I have out. If you want to reach me on Instagram, you can hit me at Big Fresco Official. And I'm on Twitter at BigFresco416. Basically, anywhere um, that you search up BigFresco on any search engine or app, you should be able to find me. Um, that goes for Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, iTunes, Deezer, um, and all the other platforms as well. All right, all right. Listeners, if you want to reach me quickly, Donovan, D-O-N-O-V-A-N, period, L-A-C-R-O-X-I at gmail.com. Big Fresco, thank you so much. No problem, brother. Thank you for having me once again, and pretty sure we'll be chopping it up soon, sometime in the new year as well. All right, all right, all right. And listeners, that's going to do it again for another episode. I believe we're at episode 125. Until next time, take care, and thank you, Big Fresco.
little problem. Peace out, guys.